like to know what Jesus was writing? Nobody. It's all speculation what Jesus was writing. We don't know what exactly he wrote. Anybody's guess would be just pure speculation. But whatever it was, as they were trying to build a case against him, he was building his case against them. And notice he turns the tables on them. And instead of passing judgment on this woman, he passes judgment on them. Notice verse 7. So he's writing him with his finger on the ground, and they're continuing to ask him, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, come on, give us an answer. You've you got to answer this question. What do you do? They continue to ask him. And he stood up, and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down again, and he started writing in the sand again, writing on the ground there. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. What a stunning turn of events here. And what a powerful scene because all of a sudden truth has forced these self-righteous, uh, hypocritical, pharisaical judges to see the reality not just of her sin but of their own sin. Truth shows you the reality of sin and it reminds you of two things. First of all, it reminds us none of us are without sin. There's not a single one of us here, not a single one watching online who is without sin. Secondly, it reminds us also, except for the grace of God, we could always be in the other person's place. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you could be in that place of that individual. That's why that old saying is true, that when you point a finger at somebody else, you've got three others pointing back at you. You know, we want to point out the faults of somebody else, but, but we've got a lot of faults ourselves. But notice here, the story doesn't end there. It's just getting started. So truth shows us our sin, but then notice secondly, with grace, we can seek redemption of sin. With grace, we can seek redemption of sin. Notice here, Jesus, he, he just has this way of, of clearing the field of all the opponents. And it happened again there. We see there in verse 7 uh, that, that he had written in the sand. He stands up, tells them, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And then once more he bends down and writes on the ground and phew, they all start departing. And we find at the end of verse 9, nobody's left but Jesus and this woman. You remember where Jesus started out in this verse, in these verses? He was teaching. So there was a group who had been there, and Jesus had been teaching them biblical truths. He had been explaining to them uh, probably about himself uh, in the gospel, in the Old Testament, uh, sharing with them the gospel message. And so Jesus had been teaching this group, and apparently even that group that Jesus was teaching got under conviction, and they left too. And all that was left was Jesus and this woman. Now, she's not out of the woods yet, because the facts haven't changed. She had been caught. Her reputation is ruined. She'll feel the shame for the rest of her life. Whenever she goes out in public, heads are going to turn, people are going to point, people are going to whisper. 
Uh, now, that isn't hearsay and that isn't gossip. She's guilty. She's guilty and everybody knows it. And, and the Pharisees know it and the lawyers know it. And she knows it and Jesus knows it. So picture the scene here. Four different people could never, could have never stood so close. She's guilty. He's guiltless. She's caught red-handed. And every time he's caught, he's clean-handed. She's broken God's law. And here's, here she's standing before the very God who wrote it. You might say that she's really gone from the firing pan into the fire. She's braced for the hurricane of judgment that's coming her way. You can just sense the tension here. Jesus said, let them cast the first stone. And she's thinking, man, they're fixing to drop stones on me, and I'm fixing to die. She's braced for the judgment. And then out of nowhere, she feels this cool breeze of grace. Notice verse 10 and verse 11. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Now notice something here interesting about what Jesus does. Jesus calls her woman. Now Johnny up there always tries to get me in trouble and to tell me to tell my wife, Woman, won't you get that supper ready for when I come home? <laughs> That's not the kind of way he's using the term woman here. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny, had to get you there. <laughs> That's not the way he's using the word woman here. This is an affectionate term. This is a term of respect that he's using. It was the same word that Jesus used for his very own mother when he said to John, Woman, your son. John, your mother. Today we would uh, maybe use the word lady or, or ma'am. Uh, think about it. it. It's probably been a long time, if ever, since a man has called her by that term. And something amazing is about to happen. Think about this. The ones who were unqualified to condemn her couldn't. And the one who was qualified to condemn her didn't. What this woman thought was going to be the worst day of her life was about to turn into the best day of her life. The darkness of her sin had been overcome by the light of God's love. And she looked at the hands of Jesus even. He doesn't have any stones in his hands. But one hand is full of truth. And one hand is full of grace. Understand, this wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because forgiveness is never free. The reason why Jesus didn't condemn this woman is because he's about to go to the cross and to be condemned himself for her. Paul says in his letters that adultery was deserving of death. Jewish law said that God's law said all sin is deserving of death, which is exactly why Jesus died for all sin. And so if you've ever wondered how God reacts when you fail it or when you blow it or what God says when, when you come to Him and you, and you fess up about your mess up, you ought to frame those words and hang them on the wall of your heart. Neither do I condemn you. 
And frankly, if the story were written today, you know where most people would end the story? Right there. That's how our culture would end the story, right there. That's how we, our society would end the story. What do you do? You're okay, God's okay, we're all okay, but the story doesn't end there. Because here's the third point you need to get is this. With grace and truth, we will show repentance from sin. With grace and truth, we will show repentance from sin. Now, notice the last words that Jesus says to this woman there in verse 11. He said to her, neither do I condemn you. We would think that's the end. But notice what he says. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, without that last statement, the story uh, wouldn't just be incomplete. It would be giving grace at the expense of truth. And we've all heard the saying, God loves the sinner but hates the sin. And that's theologically absolutely true, a true statement. Because notice this woman's sin is forgiven, but it's not excused. Jesus isn't just winking at sin here and saying, oh, that's okay. It's okay what you did. He's not pretending like uh, he, he didn't see the sin. He's not sticking his head in the sand. And the story doesn't teach that, that we, can call, uh, we can't call wrong wrong. It doesn't teach that we can't judge even the sinful actions of others. Notice Jesus wasn't saying that only sinless people can judge the actions of others. If that were true, then there wouldn't be any justice. Because if judges today had to be perfect and sinless, you wouldn't have any judges sitting on the bench. And there wouldn't be any justice. The truth is, we not only have the right to condemn whatever God has condemned and whatever His Word condemns, we have the responsibility to do so. And we're not to judge the thief, but we are to judge his stealing. We're not to judge the liar, but we are to judge his lying. We're not to judge the adulterer, but we are to judge the act of adultery. You know, condemning sin isn't the same as judging the sinner. Uh, on one hand, notice the grace in this statement. He didn't say, if you'll go and sin no more, then I won't condemn you. It wasn't conditional. He, he didn't say, if you'll just guarantee me that from now on you won't do this anymore, then I won't condemn you. What he said in effect was, I don't, now you don't. I don't condemn you now, go and leave your sin. You see, there are a lot of people uh, today who want Jesus to say this, neither do I condemn you, go and sin some more, it's okay, I'll forgive you again. And you can just keep on sinning. You see, when Jesus offers grace, it's always the truth. Neither do I condemn you, now go and leave your life of sin. And so what we see is the biblical word for doing that is called repentance. So when you turn to God and receive His offer of grace freely, you have to turn away from sin as you receive the judgment of truth. And so I want to say it clearly here. We're living in a culture today that tells us it's wrong to say something's wrong. And I think that's wrong. If you refuse to condemn what God condemns, that's not loving, nor is it graceful. He gave us a voice to speak grace and truth. And if we don't use our voice for both, we lose our voice for either. And so let me make it clear. I want us to always be known 
as a people and as a church that are known for what we're for far more than what we're against. But the truth is when you stand for something, you automatically stand against something. We don't know this woman's name, but I'm glad we know her story. Because no other story gives us that balance of grace and truth and how Jesus was filled with both. This story is the best example of that. What is sad is that there are too many unbelievers who know only one of two kinds of believers. Those who speak truth without grace and those who are super nice but never share the truth. And so what we need to be and what we will be if we're full of Jesus is someone who is, who is in, who in a spirit of grace will always love people enough to tell them the truth because you don't want to see them remain there. You want to see them grow in a relationship with the Lord. You want to see them come to know the Lord as their Savior. And so there's balance. There's grace and there's truth. There is redemption and there is repentance. There is I forgive your sin but there is also now you turn away from your sin. And it's so great to see the reality of the grace of God in our lives. But it's even more wonderful to be freed by the truth. Isn't that what the Bible says? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Hear the truth. We are sinners in need of a Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted by faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that is the message of grace and truth together for you. You're a sinner, but he's made a way. He's offering you a free gift of grace. All you have to do is receive it. You're here this morning as a believer. Understand this. You are to be full of grace and full of truth and to be balanced in both not leaning too far one way or too far the other way, but always seeking to be like Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage because all too often, Lord, we do see that, and even in our own lives, we tend to lean one way more than the other. Sometimes we show more grace to our children or more grace to people outside of our family. Other times we show more truth and, and we're more condemning by that. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would show us the truth of our hearts and our lives, that if we're leaning one way or the other too far, Lord, bring conviction into our hearts to bring us back to that place to be balanced, where we don't sweep sin under the rug and not deal with it, but at the same time, we show grace and mercy in the face of sin. And so, Father, I pray that as we've seen in this example of Jesus, help us to realize, Lord, that truth that there's none of us here who are not sinners. We've all sinned. There's not a one of us that could pick up a stone to condemn someone else. And yet in that, we're still to be truthful. They've sinned. We've sinned. And so bring us to this place this morning that if there are those who, are, who have never trusted by faith and received that free gift of grace that, that Christ offers through his crucifixion, through his death and his resurrection, Father, I pray this morning that they would just simply call out to you and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. 
I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, was buried in that tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. I receive that free gift of grace and I turn away from my sin to follow you. Father, I pray if there are those who have prayed something like that in their hearts this morning and they, they sincerely meant that, Father, I pray that they would come forward to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Others, Lord, who may be here who, who are already believers, but Lord, they've been leaning far too much one way or the other, either way too far into grace that they, they don't ever speak about or see any truth, or maybe they're so far over here in truth but they never show any grace. Father, bring us back to that place of balance that we see in Jesus Christ, to speak truth and to show grace. And Father, I pray that you will use that in our hearts and in our lives to, to examine our lives each and every day, to make sure we are treating others the way you've treated us. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. And we graciously, receive that free gift of grace even this morning, knowing that you are on your throne, you're in control, and we give everything to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 317, would you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart this morning? Would you stand? for just a moment, but stand if you'll come and share our announcements. Good morning. Please keep the following in your prayers over this next week. Robert Everett was in the hospital last week. He's home and doing well. Rita Fulcher, Kay Fox, Susie Barton, and let's please keep Miss Rhonda Morse in our prayers. Announcements, uh, Lord's Supper is next Sunday, so please come and join us for that. October 15th will be our men's breakfast, so we'll be keeping that on your calendar. Is there any other announcements? Please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Lord, thank you for this time we can come to your house. Thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross, Almighty God. 
Thank you for your son, Jesus, and the forgiveness of sins. Help this church to grow and be a beacon of light for you throughout this community. Just be with our nation, dear Lord, and be with our servicemen personnel as they serve at home and abroad. We ask all these things in your son's holy name. Amen.